So this morning, we are going to be talking about burning the ships. Now, I don't know how Ed comes up with his sermon ideas, but I come up with my sermon ideas in some kind of strange ways. Um, For those of you that know me well, I love the band called For King and Country. And they are a Christian, I wouldn't call them a rock band, I don't know how you want to describe it, but their new album is actually called Burn the Ships. And we went to see them in concert for Carter's graduation, so Lizzie and Carter and I are standing there at the concert in the dark, and they start talking about burning the ships, and I look at Lizzie and say, that'd be a great idea for a sermon. It's just how my mind works. I actually have a note on my phone of sermon ideas, and anytime something random like that pops into my head, I jot it down because I will forget it. Um, So anyway, long story short, I'm, I'm standing here at this concert, and this idea came to mind about burning the ships. And just to give you some context of where this comes from, back in 1518, Cortez was coming over to Veracruz, Mexico to start his conquest. And he made a very, very strange request. When they arrived and they unloaded the boats, he told his men, I want you to go burn the ships. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a little bit strange to me. So here I've just been on this journey for for probably weeks and maybe even months across the sea. We finally get to where we're going and the boss says, burn the ships. So why did he do that? He did that because he knew people well, and he knew that if people have an option, they will go back to what they've done in the past. And he was worried that his men would get upset or get hungry or things weren't going the way they wanted them to go, and the first thing they'd be doing is wanting to go home. So what did he do? He removed that option, and they burnt the ships. Now, that really got me to thinking about burning the ships, And it got me to thinking about that's exactly what we are called to do when we make that decision to follow Jesus Christ. We have to burn the ships, right? We know what the Bible says about being lukewarm, right? We can't have one foot in and one foot out. If we want to follow Jesus, we have to be willing to burn our ships and to follow Jesus with all of our heart and all of our mind. So we see all the way back as far as the Old Testament in the very beginning, what did the Israelites do? They kept going back to their old ways. When Moses went up on top of the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, they built a golden calf while he was up on the mountain. They couldn't even wait for him to go finish talking to God and come back. They had already reverted back to their old ways. So we see this in the Bible all the way through from the very beginning that the Israelites kept wavering back and forth. Yes, we want to follow God and we want these amazing things that he's promising and we want to make it to the promised land, but... We still want to hedge our bets and have a golden calf just in case to make sure that our crops and our livestock grow. So they kept going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And that's what really got me thinking about this whole concept of burning the ships because that's what we are called to do as Christians. So we're going to look at a very familiar story probably to most of you, but we're going to look at it from a different angle. Now we're going to talk about the story of the rich young ruler. Now this story is most often told from a context of money or a context of giving or a context of financial things, but that's not what we're going to look at today. I want to look at this story from a different context. I want to look at this story from the standpoint of what was the rich young ruler actually being asked to do? And it's not just about money. 
So if you want to open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 18, in just a minute we're going to get there, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, and we're going to read verses 18 through 30. So I want to encourage you to pull out your tablet or your phone or your Bible or whatever the case may be and follow along with us. But just to provide a little context, this young man who was considered a ruler, who had a lot of money, came to Jesus and basically said, what do I need to do to obtain the kingdom of heaven? So that's kind of the context that we're going to look at this from today. And again, it's going to be a little bit different than how you may have thought of this story in the past. So we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 18, and we're going to pick up in verse 18. And it says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except for God alone. It says, you know, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false witness. And you will honor your father and your mother. So Jesus is laying out, or Jesus is laying out those guidelines for him of what it is exactly that we're called to do. Because this man is asking, well, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is telling him, these are the things that you need to be doing. So when we pick up, if we pick this up in verse 21, it says, all these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. So he's basically saying to Jesus, look, I'm already doing all of those things, so I'm good, right? How often do we find ourselves in that very same situation where we say, you know what, I go to church on Sunday mornings, and maybe I go to church on Wednesday nights, and I pray for my food, and I'm a good person, and I haven't murdered anybody, and I haven't done anything crazy, and we find ourselves in that same position, right, where we're we're kind of saying, hey, I'm good. I don't need to do anything else. I'm following those basic commandments. But there's more to it than that. And as we continue with our text, it says, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So what's Jesus saying to him here? He's telling him to burn his ships, right? Here's all this wealth that this, this young ruler had accumulated probably over a, a large period of time, and he had kind of built up this huge, this huge nest egg and this huge wealth And Jesus comes along and says, cool, all you got to do is get rid of all that stuff. So how do you think this guy felt? We don't like giving up our money, right? We don't like paying taxes. We don't like paying bills. We don't like having to give a portion of our money away. And Jesus says to him, I want you to give it all away. I want you to burn your ships. He's basically saying, I want you to give up your old life, and come and follow me. And that's exactly what we are called to do as well. We are called to give up everything that we have and our old way of life when we make that decision to be buried in baptism and to follow Jesus. That's exactly what we have to do as well. So let's go ahead and follow this down just a little bit farther. And it says, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. So he was sad, right? He didn't want to give up all of this stuff that he had worked for. He didn't want to give up all of this power that he had and this wealth that he had. That wasn't the answer that he wanted from Jesus. What he wanted Jesus to say was, 
you're good. You don't need to do anything else. You've already following the commandments. You're good to go. And call it a day, but that's not what Jesus does. And that's not what Jesus does in our lives either. He doesn't say, hey, you're good, just keep doing what you're doing. He wants us to truly give up everything we have and to follow him. So if we keep following this down just a little bit further, it says, Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It says, indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. It says, those who have heard this asked, who can be saved? So basically at this point in the story, right, the rich young ruler basically puts his head down and walks away, which is why I love this picture that I found. Is you can see, you know, this represents Jesus and this represents the, the rich young ruler who is kind of walking away dejectedly because he didn't get the answer that he wanted. Jesus told him to burn his ships and he went, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not willing to give up everything to follow Jesus because this is my stuff and this is my money and these are the things that I've worked for because he's missing the point, right, that everything that we have comes from where? It comes from God. It doesn't come from us. It comes from him. But we get confused thinking this is mine and this is something that I did. Now, don't misread this. I'm not saying you can't have money and go to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't make that your takeaway. But the problem was the ruler wasn't willing to put God first. So as we continue to follow this down, the rest of the crowd now around him, right? Because anytime Jesus was somewhere, there was a crowd around him. So the rest of the crowd around him goes, whoa, if that guy can't be saved, what do I need to do? So as we just read in verse 26, it says, those who have heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So as Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. So Peter comes along and says, wait a minute, the apostles, like myself, we have already given up everything, right? Because what did Jesus do when he assembled his apostles? He went to these guys who were fishermen and tax collectors and everything else and basically said, look, just walk away from all of it and have faith in me and trust me. And he calls us to do the same thing. So when we drop down to verse 29, it says, truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife, or brothers, or sisters, or parents, or children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, will fail to receive many times as much in this age, and in the age to come, eternal life. So what's he saying here? Is he saying you have to leave your husband or your wife, or you have to leave your parents? No, he's saying if that's what it takes for you to follow Jesus, then that's what you need to do. Which means that when you make that decision that, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind, you have to be willing to give some things up. Right? We all make sacrifices. You all made a sacrifice this morning. You're here. You could be home in bed. You could be home watching the Dallas Cowboys. Right? Because who wouldn't want to be home watching the Dallas Cowboys? Thank you. But when you decided to follow Jesus, you said, look, on Sunday mornings, this is where I need to be. Because coming here doesn't, it's not just a physical thing. It's not just a drive to the church building and walk through the back doors. You are making 
Jesus your priority by being here when there's any place else that you could possibly be. And that's a decision that we make when we decide to follow Jesus. We have to put things behind. Sometimes we have to put relationships behind. Sometimes we have to put friends behind to follow Jesus. But that's exactly what he calls us to do. So when we look at this story, here's the problem. The problem wasn't that the ruler had money. The problem was his money had him to the point that he wasn't willing to do what Jesus asked him to do to follow him. Now, I don't know how, that, I don't know how the rest of that, that rich young ruler's story ends, but what I do know is he didn't do the one thing that Jesus asked him to do, and that was to burn his ships. So what we have to think about is, are we in that same place? Are, is there things in our lives that we are not willing to give up to truly follow Jesus. Because remember, it doesn't tell us that we should follow him with part of our heart or part of our mind or part of our soul. It says we should follow him with all of it, right? He wants an actual relationship with us. But to do that, sometimes we've got to put some things aside and we've got to put some things out and we've got to leave some things in the past, right? Um, Gary read a great scripture for us earlier, and thank you for doing that, and thank you for your context, that talks about, it talks about the fact that we have to press forward to the goal. Here's the cool thing, guys. I've read the story, I've read the Bible, and I know how it ends, Okay? When you make the decision to follow Jesus Christ and to make him your Lord and Savior, you leave all that other stuff in the past. Now here's the best part. You know why you can leave that in the past? Because when you make that decision to follow Christ and you're baptized for the remission of your sins, guess what? He forgets about all that stuff too. You don't have to carry that around with you. You don't have to be defined by the mistakes that you've made in the past. And we've all made them. I've made them. If we're all honest with ourselves, we've all made them. But guess what? They don't define you. Because God sent his son to die on a cross so that we didn't have to be responsible for those. So when we make that decision to follow him, when we make that decision to truly burn the ships and follow him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind, all the other stuff goes away. And we have that hope, right? We have that hope of spending an eternity in heaven. So we can confidently burn our ships because we don't ever want to go back to that life. And we don't have to. And we don't have to be defined by that. And we don't have to be judged by that. Because that's why God sent his son. So that we wouldn't have to be defined by that. So what are our takeaways? Is there a part of our lives that we need to put in the past? And we need to walk away from? And it's different for everybody. Are there things that you still hang on to? Because just like the Israelites did, you're kind of hedging your bets. Yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm still going to do this. Because maybe it's just something we're not willing or able to give up. Well, guess what? God is an amazing, powerful God who can help you put those things behind you and truly move forward in a relationship with him. And that's exactly what he wants from all of us. And we can't let anything get in the way of serving God.
whether it's things from our past, whether it's habits that we need to get rid of, whether it's relationships that we need to get rid of, whether it's people from our past who are help, not helping us get closer to Jesus, they're, they're pulling us away from Jesus, we've got to burn those ships and truly move forward. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful Lord's Day. We thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to just come together this morning to sing some songs of praise unto you, to learn another portion of your word. And Heavenly Father, we know this morning that there may be folks here in the audience that just need to burn those ships. That maybe they're following you, but they also have that one foot in the past or that one foot in those things that they shouldn't be doing. We want to help Heavenly Father. We want just to lift them up, to pray for them, to encourage them to truly follow you with everything that they have. Heavenly Father, we pray for this church. We pray for this congregation. We pray that you will continue to be here in this place to help us build this church, to help us to continue to be a church that follows you, that loves you, that truly wants to be like you, Heavenly Father. So as we get ready to leave here today, Heavenly Father, just be with us. Help us to just continue on a daily basis to keep you as our focus and to keep moving closer and closer to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you've given us. We thank you so much for sending your son to die on our behalf. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Maybe this morning you have never had the chance to be baptized, to burn your ships, to put that past behind you, to be cleansed of those sins from the past. You have an opportunity to do that this morning. The baptistry is warm, it's clean, it's full. We'd be more than happy to baptize you into Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but maybe you haven't quite let go of some things in your past that you need to let go of. We'd be more than happy to pray for you. If we can help you in any way, please feel free to come forward as we stand together and as we sing. Glory.